You knew them back in the day. And even though in this case back in the day is only a few years ago, you managed Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and Kevin Biggio in A-ball and double-A as well, winning championships with them as they made their way toward the major leagues. Biggio is there. He throws to first. It's over. It's all over. The Fisher Cats are Eastern League champions. You've got stories. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats have a unique dynamic to their ball club with three sons of former Major League stars taking the field every night. It's a unique experience, I think, having three guys like that, um, both on the field and off the field, kind of what they bring to the clubhouse. So uh, we're enjoying it, man. I'm enjoying it. I love writing their names in the lineup every night and, uh, and watching them do their thing. John Schneider was drafted by the Blue Jays in 2002 and spent six seasons as a catcher in the Jays system before retiring after the 2007 season. In 2008, Schneider was hired to manage the Blue Jays' Gulf Coast League team. Over the years, he has managed in Vancouver, where he won a Northwest League championship, Lansing, Dunedin, where he won a championship, and New Hampshire, where he won a championship. Now a coach with the Blue Jays, Schneider has been in the organization for almost 20 years, and he joins us today on a swing and a belt. How you doing, John? Doing great, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to uh, talk some baseball with you. Yeah, my pleasure. I think that's the first time I've called you John. I've n- I never know what to call you. What do guys call you? Do they call you Schneid? What do guys call you? I, yeah, it's it's kind of it's usually Schneid or Schneids. Um, but yeah, that was that was a little bit weird going with the going with the formal John. But <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, for you, you can kind of do whatever you want. All right, we'll fix this later. Well, in, in post production, I'll change it to Schneid. So, so I wanted to talk to you. You've probably got a better feel for some of the young players the Blue Jays have than anybody, because as is well known, you managed a number of them coming up through the minors. And I'm going to focus on Biggio, Bichette, Vladdy. I know you managed others, and I want to talk to you about those as well. But do you remember the first time you ever met one of those three guys? When was that? I remember meeting uh, Biggio for the first time in 2016 when he came up from Vancouver to Lansing. He actually played the last 10 or 12 games or so with us that season, his first year in the system. I think I met Bo and Vlad kind of in an instructional uh, league setting that same year. Whichever year they were drafted, it was an instructs that year, I think. And I remember seeing, you know, Bo kind of just with this ridiculous leg kick and hair and stuff <laughs> flying everywhere and that he hit 400 in rookie ball and had his appendix taken out. And we were kind of like, all right, who is this guy? And then Vlad, kind of the same deal. Everyone kind of knew who he was, kind of hit the ball the same way four years ago as he does now, just harder than everyone. So it was, you never like to watch home runs in BP in the minor leagues because kids kind of... You know, you don't want him getting used to that per se, but it was yeah. tough not to first time you saw him hit. So kind of seems like yesterday with all three of those guys and uh, kind of look back and kind of talk through that right now is a little bit weird that it's been this long. When you started in Dunedin in 2017 in high A ball, were all three of them with the team right at the beginning of that year? Bij was with me in Florida and then and then Bo and Vlad were in Lansing to start. And Corey Hart, who was the hitting coach at the time, and myself were kind of just watching the box score every day in the Midwest <laughs> League going, all right, when are they coming? When are they coming? And I think Bo was hitting over 400 for most of the year. I think he actually won the MVP or the batting title in the Midwest League that year, and he, he wasn't there for a month and a half. 
that's when I kind of got to know Cavan a little bit more, um, just because Bo and Vlad were kind of like a package deal, it seemed like. And Cavan being there, being a little bit older and kind of seeing how he operates in the clubhouse and things like that, that was cool to get to know him that season in Florida. So what was he like? I mean, we, from the outside, we look at him now, even though he's still one of the younger players on the team, as being, as you said, mature and a leader and focused and like a stabilizer in the clubhouse and, and all that. Was he like that as a minor league player as well? Yeah, it was kind of a cool dynamic. It was a little bit of an older team for that level that season. To start the season, we had guys kind of that were jammed up a little bit at the higher level, so we had some older guys there. But he's always been the same. He's been a gamer. He plays hard every single day. He always has something that he's trying to get better at. I know that sounds really cliche, but it's just, you know, you you just talk to him and it's he does everything, you know, for a reason. You know, that was when I really kind of started. And it's it's so hot down there in that league. And I played him probably way too much, you know, down the stretch, but in his first full season. But it, he's a tough guy to take out of the lineup. And I think if anything, it kind of taught him how to post when he wasn't feeling great, you know, and he still does it today. So you learn about a kid and his determination and kind of how he rubs off on his teammates and how he interacts with them when things are going good, when things aren't going good. And I think that he just kind of, demands respect you know because of the way he goes about it every day so it was cool to see that develop pretty early in the season so Bo and Vladdy show up middle of the year from Lansing to Dunedin and two questions was there any adjustment period for them at all going from A to high A and did the two of them become three amigos with Cavan right away or how well did they know each other before the, those the other two guys got to Dunedin first question they kind of just kept on raking they they went from the from Lansing they went to the Futures game in Miami and then they met us i think we were playing in clearwater when they got there but it was just kind of they picked up where they left off and that was when kind of this hype machine started with two of them when they were doing so great and then you look at Kevin, who was having a very very solid year and then it was easy to kind of really put those three together with their dads being who they are so right Bo and Vlad didn't miss a beat. I think Vlad actually did better in the Florida State League than he did in, in the Midwest League, numbers-wise, if you split him up in half. And Bo was in a huge slump going from 400 to, like, 360. So it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was cool. That's kind of when they knew each other. But I think that season and kind of going down the stretch run of a season and in their first full season really together, that's when they kind of became real close, the three of them. Vlad was your third baseman. Bo was your shortstop. Kevin was your second baseman? Yep, right around the horn. Yep, the same way in double A too, which is pretty cool. Actually, Kevin played some first in double A to start the year because we, we threw Guriel at second. I was really hurting for offense that year. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell. A lot, a lot of your uh, the other managers around the league really feeling sorry for you, I'm sure, when they yeah, get the lineup yeah, exactly, card from you. Exactly. Yeah. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. Kiss it goodbye. It's off the hotel. It hits the Hilton Garden Inn. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Tell us a little bit about the end of the 2017 season. You were actually co-champions of the Florida State League because a hurricane was coming, so they couldn't play the championship series, but you won your semifinal series. So I think it was you and Palm Beach, if I'm not mistaken, were co-champions. You know, what was the stretch run in the playoffs like with those three kids? You know, you learn something about players in, in the playoffs sometimes, I would think. What'd you learn about those guys down the stretch that year? That they kind of rise to the occasion a little bit. The cool thing about minor leagues is, is just I, I'm such a firm believer in that winning is such a big part of development. And it's tough to walk that fine line sometimes. But it's not very often you have like three dynamic players like that or, or more on a team, on a minor league team. So I was fortunate. So I was very aware of talking about winning and managing to win. I know it may sound corny now being that it's A ball and double A, but... 
I think that just a winning environment for those guys is really important. And now it's starting to kind of translate to the big league level. And it's what they were used to in the minors. So myself and the staff made it a point to kind of talk about it all the time down the stretch about playoffs and how fun it is and, and exciting it is. Now, granted, Florida State League, you're getting 200 fans instead of 100 for the playoffs. But <laughs> it's just cool to kind of see how they reacted to it continue to play hard and it's it's you can never you can never replicate the at bat you're going to get in the bottom of the eighth inning in a playoff game in a in a regular minor league season game in june or the inning or the save the one out the the one run save for a pitcher or the actual start for a a starting pitcher so it's you can never really do that in a regular season so you got to take advantage of those opportunities uh when you can for development purposes so I assume you had a pretty good idea those guys wouldn't be coming back to the Florida State League in 2018, that they'd be going up to AA yeah. in the Eastern League. How excited were you that the Blue Jays wanted you to go to AA with them? Uh, very, as an understatement. It was, you know, I live I live right there in Clearwater, so, you know, it was nice being at home that year with my wife and, and my boys, or the one boy at the time, but following those guys and kind of you know building off of the relationship that we had formed and the dynamic that we cut they kind of had it was uh i was very happy humbled and i promised gil kim i I wouldn't screw him up so (laughs) it was uh it was cool to kind of just keep on rolling with him has bo um in the minors all the time you had him in the minors did he ever have a slump of any kind did he ever kind of you know did his confidence waver at all or is is bo bichette the bo bichette that blue jay fans have seen over the last couple of years the center bo bichette is back and he makes it over the shoulder catch in shallow center and they'll double up right off of first base what a catch the hat comes off he shows off the flow and makes the snag to retire the side. Bo Bichette is the Bo Bichette that we've seen in his 60-some-odd games he's played in the big leagues, with the exception of a two-week span in AA in 2018. He went about three for 45 or something like that and and was just kind of lost for a while. And, you know, we had some long talks. Dante and I joke about the time. Bo was, you know, I was sitting in my office and, Bo walked by with his bat, kind of dragging his bat down. And I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to the cage. i got to figure this out. And no one was there. It was like 1230. So I actually grabbed a bucket of balls and uh, <laughs> maybe or a, a bucket of beer and went down <laughs> to the cage and just kind of started throwing to him. And we kind of just hashed it out and let him get some things off his chest. But he figures it out quickly, you know. But it was like there were a rough couple of weeks for him. And um, he says to this day that he's happy that, that he went you know, through that in the minors as opposed to going through it in the big leagues. I think it helped him in the long run. Was it a mechanical thing or was he guessing or what do you think was the problem? Like, what did he figure out over those two weeks? Yeah, I think he was guessing. And it was it was by no means that cage session that, that fixed him. It was it was just kind of like, you know, a funny story that we talk about. But yeah, he was kind of guessing. He was being pitched inside for the first time in his life. And he kind of started cheating to it a little bit, which he doesn't have to do. And and things kind of went downhill from there. So he's he holds himself to such high standards. So kind of it just snowballed on him a little bit. And again, I think it was just uh, not, there was nothing mechanical at all. He's got you know his swing covers so much of the zone, and it's such a uh, a great swing. So it was just kind of he was just overthinking him a little bit with where he was being pitched. The first time you saw him, as you said, it's a great swing, but you can't help but notice the first time you see him dude, you swing really hard. <laughs> like, like it's unavoidable. Uh, you swing really hard all the time. Like, what do you remember thinking to yourself or saying to him the first time you saw him take BP? First pitch to Bo. Swing and a fly ball. Left field way back there. Randolph looking up. It's gone. 
a laser beam to left field, and Bo Bichette gives the Fisher Cats a 2-0 lead. Kind of is just like, wow, that looks like, you know, your helmet's going to fall off every swing. It looked different than what everyone was kind of used to, and but it's always worked for him, you know, so... Bo, at a very even when he first came into the system, he had an unbelievable way of explaining why he does what he does in the box and understanding how kind of his body moves in space. A great story I'm, you may have heard or may have told you was this is 2017, and he's he's raking, and me and Corey Harder watched him hit BP on the field. And we've kind of been talking about it for a little bit, said, man, could you imagine if Bo just cut down that leg kick a little bit and kind of did a little hybrid between his less than two strike approach and his two strike approach two strike where he's real wide and he doesn't stride and all that stuff so he gets done hitting around and he comes out of the cage and i go hey bo you ever thought about you know kind of toning that leg kick down and again this is an 18 year old kid talking mm -hmm. to me and Corey. he looked kind of looked at me and smirked he's like no i was like okay this should be good like why not and he goes, remember Tiger Woods back in like 2000? He was the best in the world. And he got on the tee box and he'd rip one like 370 down the fairway. I'm like, uh, yeah. And he goes, he wasn't afraid to go in the rough because he had confidence in his short game to get it on the green in two. And he goes, my two-strike approach is my short game. And me and Corey kind of just looked at each other like, all right, dude, keep doing what you're doing. That's great. <laughs> go ahead. Like, do whatever you want. That was yeah. a perfect answer. So, Good meeting. <laughs> yeah, good meeting. Um, but that's just kind of, yeah, that's just that's just him. That's Bo, uh, kind of in a nutshell right there. 2018, 19-year-old Vladimir Guerrero hits 402 in 61 games at AA. He eventually got called up to AAA, so he wasn't with you for the playoffs. But in 61 games with you, you did a nice job with him, Schneids. 402, yeah. <laughs> 19 doubles, 14 homers, a 671 slugging percentage. What was Vladdy 2018 like? He was best hitter on the planet. I mean, for a while, it was it was a joke. The pitch is swung on and hit in the air to right field deep. Back to the wall, Taylor. Vladdy walks it off! It was like three hits a night, you know, maybe a cheapy here or there through an infield, but hitting the ball harder than, you know, anyone we had really seen. And he was so much fun to just watch. You know, it was every once in a while I kind of would, you know, you're so focused on, you know, trying to get the kids better and trying to make sure that they're sticking to what, you know, plans we have in place for them. But it was like every couple of days I kind of just said, you know, what, I'm just going to be a fan right now, coaching third and, uh, and hope I don't get hit with the ball here. But it was remarkable to kind of watch him do what he did that year offensively, to watch the work he put in defensively, to watch kind of the effect he had with the guys in the clubhouse, you know, always happy, kind of what you see now in Toronto. And then you throw like the best hitter ever on top of that personality. So cool to be a part of, man. It was, um, it was some next level stuff just watching mm -hmm. him go to work every night. All right, give us something on Kevin because we said, you know, he's always composed and mature. And, he's, you know, outwardly, he's a pretty serious guy. I had him on the podcast. I got him to, like, maybe smirk a couple of times, but I really couldn't get him going. Like, what gets him going? What's something about Kevin Vigio that we don't get to see that he won't be angry with either one of us for you telling me on the podcast about? <laughs> uh, sneak. All right, here's the go. Next time you see him or talk to him, he's a sneaky big-time music buff, and he's a sneaky good rapper so wow yeah right i know go figure so there is a ask him about the dunedin blue jay rap song that he danny jansen and uh former catcher canadian fellow mike reeves did back in 2017 <laughs> now bishio sends a high fly ball deep down the right field line it's gone the 
the first big league home run for Kevin Biggio. Yeah, that's something that he's kind of into. But he's he's serious. He's tough. But like, if you want to really get him going, start talking kind of questionable baseball decisions, and and really just watch him go to work and be very opinionated. And the more you kind of fight back with him, the louder he gets. Yeah. So it's uh, that part of it from a baseball standpoint, and and sneaky good rapper. All right. Will, will he air teammates out if they need it? Does he is he that vocal or is he a lead by example kind of guy? No, he'll he'll do it. He'll I've seen him do it kind of in passing in the dugout. You know, both at big leagues and minor leagues to where he may, he may go up to a guy and be like, "Hey, man, you're better than that," or "Hey, that doesn't play here." And there's been a time, you know, and I think when you just kind of deliver it that way, guys, you know, respect him so much they kind of go, "All right, man, gotcha." But there's been times where he he'll you know say something a little bit louder too. So it's. To him, it's just like, do what's right. What's right is right. You know, if you ground, ground a ball to second base, just run hard. And I think it comes from his dad. I remember when he was first up last year, he had a ball, like a routine three hopper to second. He, he busted down the line. And, and I jokingly, when he came back in, I said, oh, man, you're in the big leagues now. You don't, you don't have to do that. I give you a couple of weeks and you're, you know, you're running a 5-2 down there. And he said, I'll never do that in my career. And I said, why not? And he said, my dad will kill me. So <laughs> it's just kind of how he how he was brought up. He just kind of does things the right way. And when he speaks, right. people listen. How about Kevin knocking one out right now? Vigio swings and drills one. Deep right field, way back to the wall. This one's gone. Number 20 for Kevin Vigio. And it gives the Fisher Cats a 3-2 lead in the bottom of the sixth inning. Yeah, well, he's popular for many reasons, but uh, that'll be one of them. Uh, I don't want to shortchange some of the other guys you had. You mentioned Lourdes Gurriel. You mentioned Danny Jansen. You've seen a lot of Jordan Romano in the minors, too. He was with you for a couple of years. And I tell people... I'm being honest when I say this. This is a great group of young players. Like, I've been doing this 25 years. I've been around a lot of players. And you can tell when you walk in a clubhouse, good guys, bad guys, care about each other, don't care about each other. You can kind of feel that vibe, and you can talk to people and and get some information uh, on that. And I tell people, like, take it for what it's worth from somebody who's not around them all that much. But this is the best group of young people that I have seen in a major league baseball clubhouse. Now I know you're, you know, you're close with all of them and, and all that, but am I on target with that assessment of this group? You are hundred percent on target. And I wish that you guys were around this year to where you could see this dynamic kind of unfold. And it's, again, I, I find myself talking about it a lot to even the staff that's here now and, and to you guys, but it's, I kind of watched them. It was just so cool for me to, you know, have them as players, but to get to know the people and to see how they kind of, coexist on and off the field and it's a special group man the last three or four years especially you put the talent and the personalities together and and you kind of on top of that put the expectation of winning and it's it's really cool you throw in some veteran dudes now like the you know the caleb josephs and the joe panics and you know some of the pitchers the reuse and the shoes and those guys and it's kind of like it, it's a it's a really fun group but yeah you hit the nail on the head it's a very talented group of young guys, but the people part of it just is impressive. So let me ask you, I don't know if I'm a journalist, but let me put a journalist hat on for just a second here. And, and everybody listening to this is probably saying, when's he going to ask him about Vladdy now? So there have been some ups and downs for, for Vladimir Guerrero. You know, this year he's had some hot streaks. He's had some cold streaks. He hasn't really carried the team. We haven't seen the Vladdy. I think that a lot of people thought they were going to see. They thought he would step in right away and just tear it up, which maybe is unrealistic. 
So what can you tell us about him? How's he handling this? How close do you think he is? And do you think that guy you saw a couple of years ago in New Hampshire, is that still in there and eventually it's going to come out? Yeah, I think he's very close. I, th- I, I remember, I think I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago where I thought he was mm-hmm. ready to really start rolling. And um, I think he got there and then it kind of, you know, whatever was a 10, 12 game hitting streak, but he didn't really stay there. So it's definitely there and he's going to get it. This is, you know, a, a dude that was, you know, they threw an 80 grade hit tool on him for a reason coming up and it's almost unfair expectations for a guy to come up and say, okay, you're the, you're the best hitting prospect of all time. And you have the, you know, the name, a hall of fame name and all that stuff. So it was a lot for him to deal with last year. And I think that, you know, this year looking around, you know, to anyone, I think this year is so unique in terms of, you know, the number of games, how they're being played, the short ramp up, all those things. You see some outlying numbers, both from a pitching and offensive side, but the Vladdy that we all saw in 2018 is definitely there. We were really looking forward to 162 uh, game season out of him this year to see what he did. But I think when you look at it, and hopefully everything's back to normal next year, and he's a little bit more comfortable with the league and how he's being pitched, um, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to look at the guy that we saw just really show up in the big leagues. Maybe we got to put you back on the mound. He owns you, man. I mean, I've- yeah. <laughs> as long as, as long as I got an L screen, as long that's as I got right. An L no matter what you threw him in Cleveland, it's like he knew what was coming. Twenty-eight. Next one breaks a record. That's got a chance. There's the record. Twenty-nine. It's twenty-nine. He breaks the home run derby record for home runs in a round. With I never thought we'd see it. You know what? It's like, he, it's, it's like he told me right where to throw it. And he yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your time, Schneider. You're a good sport as always. I miss seeing you on the road. And uh, like you said, hopefully next year is a little bit more normal. But you know what? It's a fun group. It's a group that Canadian baseball fans have really fallen in love with through all the injuries and the adversity and didn't know where they were going to play. Everybody can see they're giving it all they have. They're not That's perfect, awesome. but they're giving it all they have. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully the last couple of weeks of the season are as exciting as the rest has been. Keep it going, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you having me on, as always, man. Many thanks to John Schneider, who is also as good a guy as there is and is a big, big part of the Blue Jays coaching staff. Nobody knows these kids better than he does. And if he's excited about the future, I think all of us can be excited about the Blue Jays' future as well. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Belt, produced by Christian Ryan. Until next time, I'm Dan Schulman.